It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. And with that familiar music, you know you are listening to your cheap trick audio fanzine cheap talk. I'm Ken Mills, and I'm joined by Mr. BJ Cramp. Hi, BJ. Hello there. BJ, we're doing another in our series of interviews about important people in cheap trick history. And uh, this guy's pretty important. Can you tell us who we're going to interview today? Uh, we talked to Stuky, who was the singer in Todd Rundgren's original band, Naz. And then he ended up singing in really what... He really ended up being the first singer in Cheap Trick, basically. It was a band called Sick Man of Europe, but it ended up being him, Rick, Tom, and Bunny. And, you know, that band basically just changed their name to become Cheap Trick and got a different singer, but... You know, you, what you really have here basically is the first singer from Cheap Trick. Yep, he was there when it was Sick Man of Europe, and uh, he's going to share some of those stories and about the ins and outs of the music industry and uh, his work with Todd Rundgren. So hopefully you'll find something enjoyable on this episode of Cheap Talk. Take it away, BJ. So where did the name Stooky come from? Oh, it just came from uh, the, my first band. All the guys wanted to have stage names. So one guy picked Glance and one guy these off-the-wall names. Uh-huh. And I took Ringo Starr's last name and changed the uh, A-R to E-W. Ah, okay. Yeah, I see. And that was my ticket to, uh, in my head, you know, single name, like, you know, like Fabian or, you know, these are the single names back to, back in those days, you know, that, that the artists had, you know, there's never, yeah, who, who else was it? Well, well, it still works today. I mean, you got Pink and... Yeah, you got, it, uh, yeah, of course. It seems to be the thing. I think Elvis really kind of set the trend on that, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And Fabian was another one at that time. Yeah, back in the it was early '60s. So, uh, so that's where it came from, and that's what the whole intention was. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a story um, I think that Rick Nielsen tells where he ran into Todd Rundgren at a Yes concert in London, I think, and asked Todd. This must have been after Naz broke up, and he asked uh-huh. he asked Todd what happened to you, and and I guess. Todd gave him your the old manager of Naz's phone number or something, and then Rick Nielsen tracked you down that way. Is that how the story went? Or yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's basically how I heard it okay. uh, from Rick at the time. So, I mean, he got he got either my father's phone number or somebody's phone number, uh, and I happened to be in Texas at the time, 
and uh, they found out how to get a hold of me. And I had, I was poor. I had no money. I was working. Uh, I was working for my dinner, actually. But I was having a great time. It didn't matter. You know, I was, uh, I was really, I enjoyed myself in Texas. I had a lot of good friends down there, and I, I did a lot of growing up down there. And, uh, but anyhow, Pepe said, um, I got a phone call. And uh, he asked me if I wanted to come up and play and, so, and try it out. And I said, yeah. You know, I was, I'm always waiting for the next phone call, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what year did Nas break up? Was it 1970 or? Either that, yeah, I would say 70. And that sounds right. And then, uh, so what year was this that Rick called you up? Was it 71, 72 or? No, it was earlier. It probably was the same year. Oh, okay. Or or early 71. Okay. And this, so this was after Fuse, I guess, had broken up. And so the idea was... Was the original plan to form an entirely new band, but then you just sort of started using the Fuse name and the Naz name, and how did that all work? Well, there was we had uh, there was five players at the time. Craig Myers was, a, was another guitar player. Yeah, and he was in I was, Fuse. He was, yeah. Well, he left. <clears throat> he was there for a little while, but then he left. But you had Mooney and me, and you had Tom and Rick. Right. Uh, and so wherever Naz was popular, we would use that name. Wherever Fuse was popular, we would use that name, vice versa. <laughs> and then it just morphed into whatever, whatever the, uh, whatever the, the fun words were for the week. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's, a whole, the, there's a whole list of names, about, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I can't think of them all. I mean, Rick was... Pretty clever with that stuff. Honey Boy so, Antony, I think, <laughs> was one. Yeah, it was one of them, yeah. And The Refuse <laughs> or something? The Refuse or The Refuse? <laughs> However you would... <laughs> I guess the... Right. means very different things depending on how you pronounce that one. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so, so Tom Mooney, you meant Tom Mooney was the drummer in Naz, and he ended up being the drummer in this incarnation. And... So, yeah. So Rick and Tom Peterson then relocated to Philadelphia to join you guys there. Eventually, no. We came out. I mean, I went up to Rockford. Originally, you went and to I Rockford. Guess, okay. Yeah, Mooney was already there. Okay. And I, uh, you know, if you think about who you think about Rick, you can see where his mind was going at the time. You know, getting two new a rhythm, a rhythm section and a singer, and. Uh, and then, you know, he could move on from there, whatever he wanted to do. You know, he was just, he was just getting good at doing what he was doing. So, uh, it was interesting to see his, uh, growth until the end, you know? <laughs> right. I enjoy, I always enjoy watching them guys. I enjoy that band. I enjoy them guys. You know, I love those guys. Cheap trip. Yeah. You know, yeah, just the, the people, you know, Rick and Tom and Bun. I uh, I have a very big fondness for those guys. So the the Fuse yeah. slash Naz band, you started out in Rockford, and it was you and Tom Mooney and Rick and Tom Peterson. So at what point does Tom Mooney leave and Bunny Carlos become the drummer? When we went to Philly. When you went to okay, and it says in the in Mike Hayes' Cheap Trick book that that was in June of seventy one. Um, 
that okay. when Bunny joined the band. So, so Bunny joined in Rockford, and then the whole band moved to Philadelphia. Well, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of weird that thing. I remember, I remember meeting Bun in Philadelphia. Okay. That's my memory of him uh, of meeting Bun. It was in Philly, and um, we, I think we had set him up with an apartment. We found you know, we everybody got a place to live, and you know that was a cold. And we you know ended up getting jobs and all this other stuff, and tried to make it out of Philadelphia. We had someone at the time in Philly who who had an idea of how to get us signed. So we did some auditions up in New York. Um, but uh, that's basically how it happened. That's how it started.
so you're in Philly and, with Bunny now, and you're trying to get a record deal. And, yeah. And we're, at this and we're point, rehearsing. at this point, uh, were you called Sick Man of Europe yet? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I think I think I don't think we came to Philly as Naz Refuse. And it uh, it says in uh, Mike Hayes' book that, so when you were living in Philly, I think this is the only time that Rick Nielsen ever had a real job, it says. He was working, him and Todd, were you all working in the same restaurant, or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what restaurant was it? It was, a, it was actually a disco nightclub. You know, one of those, uh, way before its time, the nightclubs that served food and had disco and, you know, all that good stuff. Was that the place called the uh, Artemis? Yeah. Okay. I cooked then. I was the cook. Tom was a waiter. <laughs> and Rick tended bar. Okay. Wow. And, and, and Bunny, uh, Bunny, Bunny didn't have a job? or. <laughs> no, no, his job was playing drums. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I'd, I'd bring him his dinner every night. <laughs> and we'd sit around, get stoned, and uh, eat hamburgers. It was awesome. <laughs> and listen, and listen, and listen to the tapes of band rehearsal on his little uh, cassette player. Do you wow. still have any of those tapes? <laughs> uh, he does. Bunny does. Right? Yeah, Bunny's kind of the archivist, huh? Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, I ha I have them, but I I don't. I wouldn't feel comfortable offering them to anybody unless he offers them already. Right, right, makes sense. And uh, I imagine someday that'll happen. We can only hope as fans. <laughs> so so at um, at some point when you were in Philly you demo you did at least three demos at Sigma Sound um Ain't Got You Bean and I'm a Surprise do you remember those songs Yeah Yeah those were all written by They Rick. were done they were done in New York actually from my memory they were recordings done at uh I can't remember if it was Epic Studio or Capitol one of those and it was an audition Okay. Because those are live. From my, from my, my, memory, my memory is correct. Okay, so those three recordings, um, Bean, Ain't Got You and I'm a Surprise, those were, uh, those are uh -huh. recording basically of a live audition for a record label, trying to get a record deal. Yeah. Okay. If my memory, if, if that's my correct memory, that's what I remember. Because Cotton Kent was playing piano. And uh, we were a hell of a sound. We were a good sounding band. It's a shame. Well, yeah, and you know, uh, Ain't Got You stayed in Cheap Trick set for a long time, and um, I'm a surprise was kind of rewritten as "So Good to See You." <laughs>
It doesn't seem like they used that Bean song later on. Do you know if anything happened with that song? I don't. Okay. I mean, I do. A, this, I, you know, I put Naz back together for a little while, and um, we did a combination of those songs. We called it Sick Trick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we put uh, Ain't Got You and I'm a Surprise together. Okay. And made it one song. Right.
at some point then, then sick man of europe moved again back to rockford again yeah yeah it wasn't happening everybody was getting a little frustrated i guess it was costing too much to live in Philly. and they went back i guess we all went back i had gotten married before we left illinois actually before we came to philadelphia and that my wife was pregnant at the time. So I moved back to Rockford, and I got fired. <laughs> wow. That's, that's all right. So, well, Shit so, happens, you know? so you, but you did a lot of touring with Sick Man of Europe, right? I don't know about touring. We, no. did a, we worked a while locally as much as we could. But, you know, <clears throat> to be honest with you, Philadelphia is not the place for to come out as a rock and roll band. I mean, people have tried, but um, I don't know. It's, a, it's I don't know. I hate Philadelphia for that reason. Mm. I don't know. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody out of Philadelphia. Who do you know out of Philadelphia? <laughs> right. Yeah. That was kind of Philadelphia, but that was a hundred years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> In your mind, where did the name Sick Man from Europe come from? Tom Peterson. Really? Do you, do you know what the inspiration That's who was? I heard it from first. Okay. Yeah, that's who I heard it from first. I didn't know the story behind it. What is the I story? Know my, my, I know. Well, there is a story behind the whole Sick Man of Europe type of thing. It's a book or some kind of history. But um, my, I always thought... Now, this is, I, maybe I should say this, maybe I shouldn't, but I'll say it anyway since I already did what I did anyhow. I always thought that Tom was in Europe for a while and he didn't have a, I don't know if he had a good time or a bad time. And, you know, we were all sick back then. So I just correlated it to those two events. Uh -huh. And Sick Man in Europe, it sounded great to me. I mean, I love the name. But I always thought it was related to Tom, and I don't know why, but I always thought it was. Hmm. <clears throat> I never knew that. But do you know a story about that that I don't know? No, I, no, I don't. <laughs> I know they did a song. <clears throat> they, did, they did a song about it. Yeah, on their last album, they have a song called that, yeah. We're back. My next guest tonight are here with a song from their brand new album, The Latest, available on CD, vinyl, and 8-track. And tomorrow... They'll be appearing at the Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California. Please welcome our very good friends, Cheap Trick.
Cheap trick, everybody. That is our show. I want to thank all my guests, Elijah Wood. Our thanks to Mila Kunis for being here, of course, Andy Richter. Max Weinberg, The Tonight Show Band. Stay tuned for Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Bye. Yeah, that's that, we're just trying to pick up all the scraps we can. <laughs> so, anybody, but you know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how old I can't remember how old I was in my twenties, but names were just for effect necessarily at a, at a certain point. It was the beginning of that period. You know, I guess the name was ahead of its time. Yeah, I, you know, I, you have now. Now it's commonplace to have a name like that. It doesn't raise any eyebrows now, but back then it did. You know, it actually is kind of a punk-sounding name if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so again, you That's guys true. are all ahead of your time. Well, yeah, and essentially this band, Sick Man of Europe, is Cheap Trick, just with you singing before Robin Zander. But it's it's all the other guys and a lot of the same a lot of songs that ended up staying in the set when they became cheap tricks so uh did you ever did you it think of same, it's the same music yeah did you think of cheap trick as just a sick man of europe with with but they changed the name or it was the same you know it just was the it, you know you watched it grow you know i was i was when in its infancy yeah but you just watched the, the vibe was there right you know, the vibe was there. It's, you know, you take Bun and Tom out of the mix. Like, I heard them play with, I guess it's it's uh, Rick's son playing drums. Yeah, Dax. And it's not the same. It doesn't have the drive. Well, I don't think you can ever have the same. People don't understand how vital Bun, a band Bun is. Bun unbe- is, yeah. I, go ahead. No, no, no. You were saying about Bunny? I missed him so much when I heard when I heard the band without him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but back but back to the question. Yeah, the vibe is the same as it was. Cheap Chick's vibe is the same as it was in Sick Man. Oh. It's more polished. Yeah, really. Sick Man of Europe was just the very fir- the first incarnation of Cheap Trick, and really, Cheap Trick Absolutely. is just Sick Man of Europe with. A new name and a, and a new singer <laughs> yeah um so what do you remember about all the other all the other original material that sick man of europe did like um there was an instrumental ultra mental that rick ended up incorporating into dream police
Uh, was that in your live set a lot? No. No? No. Mandicello was. Yeah, Mandicello. Um, was we did that. The, pretty much the same song that ended up on the first Cheap Trick album? Yeah. 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 And there's a song called I'm Deranged. Do you remember that one? I believe it was the beginning of... I, I remember it very briefly. I remember the name. I don't remember doing it. Okay. But uh, I remember the name. There, there are some other song titles in Mike Hayes' Cheap Trick book. Do you remember any of those? Uh, Made Out of Wood, Made in the Shade, Middle of the Night. Are those all Rick Nielsen? Yeah. Those are songs Rick wrote? Yeah. 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 I and, remember them. What were they? Were they good songs? They never, did they ever turn yeah. into, do you remember any pieces of those songs ending up in Cheap Trick songs later or? Oh, gee, that's so hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Rick became a machine, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, after a while, after a while with music, I vibe, you know, I, if the vibe is the same, that's what I, I, I look for, you know? I look for if the music is, the vibe is the same or if it's growing, you know, necessarily, um, especially when the, the, the music just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming, you know? But uh, a lot of that stuff is written for a live performance. Rick's, Rick writes for live stuff, and except for, I don't know all his music, you know, but I, I you know, it's, uh, I've seen him live a bunch of times. I always enjoyed that. And, and uh, did Sick Man of Europe, were you still doing Fuse songs and Naz songs, too, in your set? Nah, I don't no. remember doing much of that stuff. Now, it was all, you know, it was all original. That's what it was. It was all original, or it was uh, some song that just happened to find its way into the into the repertoire because it was fun to play, mm. or people liked it. You know, or, you know, you know how it's, material finds its way into a set or into a band's repertoire. You know. Uh, so like with Naz, uh, with uh, Kicks. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. We, we, and that just morphed into being one of the songs we did. So I was early on in all that stuff. So much more came after I left. Right. You know? Uh, I was, uh, had a great time. I had a fun time in that band. Who were some of your influences growing up as a musician? Who did you like say, I want to sound like this guy or be like that guy? Well, I was a singer. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to sound like the Beatles. Oh, yeah. To me, that's perfect uh, of all time right there. That they, To me, they're like the Zenith. Me too. I mean, it's like, uh, I believe that too, but that's who I wanted to be. I spent hours and hours and hours singing to 45s, you know, that's all I could get. And, um, I grew up in Newport, Rhode Island, and the record store, they could only get 45s. Mm. And I had this little record player and I would spend hours and hours and hours trying to sound like Lennon or McCartney, you know? Yeah. And, uh... The first, the first 
uh, LPs that I bought with, were my generation. Loved Who and uh, uh, Mothers of Invention. Wow, that's that's my a first two LPs. <laughs> wow, what 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 <laughs> film made you gravitate towards both of them? Uh, I just for because of who they were, you know, just the right. band. It's but you saw like, where I moved, what happened, where I went. Yeah, absolutely. what drew me. Um, and the mothers was just cool, you know. It just they were just cool. Absolutely, <laughs> some great stuff there. Uh, what can you tell us about working with Todd Rundgren? Well. Up until the point where the band broke up, it was great. That was okay back then. Uh, after that, uh, the relationship has been very strange. Um, I don't know. For some reason, he thinks I'm mad at him or I want to hurt him or something. Well, don't you think um, when a band breaks up, it's kind of like breaking up with a girlfriend? There's always unanswered sure. questions. There's always, sure. you know... But I, but a lot of people don't think about that. You know, they just think like, like for example, a lot of people are reading a rock history. You lived it, right? And I, you know, I, I wish I could remember word for word and note for note and story for story and picture for picture for people because people like crave it. But it's okay. really not that. It's really not that intense. It's just like living every day with somebody and then all of a sudden you're not right you know you're sharing ideas and you're sharing <clears throat> you know your life that you wear on your sleeve or whatever you are whoever you are at the time you're sharing it with other people mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're not um it's tough you know i didn't blame anybody for the i didn't blame anybody for nas breaking up i blame <clears throat> the system for nas breaking up Hmm. The the record I industry, the record you mean? Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, and I believe I blame the management. Well, I th- I think it says on Wikipedia that management tried to market you as like a teeny bopper band or or something like that. Was that part of the issue or? No, not necessarily. No. Part of the issue was we didn't work. I think that's the biggest issue. We didn't work enough. We didn't we didn't work hard enough. We didn't go out there and play. <clears throat> we put a record out and we didn't promote it. We expected them to promote it to magazines, I guess. That's what they wanted to do. And if we went out and played somewhere, it had to be a great big huge show. I mean we didn't get into a into a bus and travel the country. Which we should have done. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Isn't that what everybody does? Yep. You sell yourself to the you sell yourself to the world. You know, you sell your record, You're not to a magazine. And you were at ground zero for rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, Strike and you know, I didn't know hot. any better. Yeah, I didn't know any better. I was living a dream. I was in England mm-hmm. two years after that band got together. Wow. So, you know, I depended the people that were supposed to have my back. And when all of a sudden the bottom fell out, I was really kind of bummed out. (laughs) 
say the least. Yeah. Wow. That that first song, the first song on the second Naz album, Forget All About It, that is such a great song. I love that song. fucking band yeah no we have no two ways about it no two ways about it if we had gone out and promoted those two records if after it broke if it broke up after that i'll tell you the truth i wouldn't have this gut in my this feeling in my in my heart that uh, you know 
I was that close. Right. It's just working. All I wanted to do is fucking work, and now I would love to do it. You know, it's in every you know every year it goes by, it gets farther and farther away. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's a shame. It's really a shame. Well, and and you had to watch what happened with Todd Rundgren's career. You know, in the seventies, people have to remember uh, at the time in Naz, nobody knew who Todd Rundgren was. <laughs> he wasn't Todd right. Rundgren yet. Right. Right. <clears throat> but obviously, there was there was a lot That's of potential okay, yeah. there. <clears throat> Ty has his, you know, he, he does what he does. I don't think he's great. <clears throat> he would have been better if he stayed in this. <laughs> I think. Yeah. <clears throat> you know? But he has his base, he has his fans, he has his life, and that, you know, good for him. Now, can you, like, walk us through what happened that you stopped working with the guys? Well, who, Cheap Trick? Yeah. Uh, or or well, so, so Sick Man of Europe, you were in Philadelphia, and you were, were you gigging around New York and trying to get a record deal? That's what we were trying to do, trying to get a record deal, trying to get something happen so we could work on an album and put an album out and then go, you know, do the thing, you know, do what we always did before we came to Philadelphia, and that was drive all over the fucking Midwest. You know, yeah. uh, and it just wasn't happening. Didn't happen. So we, after a year or two, like a year or so, it ended up we going back to Rockford, and uh, that's where I got fired, and uh, I came back to Philly. Yeah, it's it says in uh, the Cheap Trick book that uh, you had a disagreement with, I guess Ken Adamani because so he was the man. Was he managing Sick Man of Europe, Ken Adamani? No. No. But we came back to, we came, they, they, uh, I guess Rick contacted him from Philly. Okay. I don't know, I don't know, the, I don't know the details. All I know is that I got fired and I, I assume that it was, uh, that I didn't, I thought that Adam Eddie was a crook. Mm. And, uh, I told him that. And, uh, cause I had just gone through something like that. You know, all of a sudden the management just throws up their hands and say, we ain't got no more money. You know, after you've been sending them money, you know, so the money went to pay pay them and keep the office open, not to do anything for me. And I just saw the same thing happening with Adam Addy. And I don't know, I just, uh, I don't know if it turned out to be that way. From rumors I heard it did. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't trust Adam Addy. I guess I made my 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 feelings known, and I got fired for it. So it was basically a disagreement over management, and you had yeah, re- you had so. reason to distrust management because of your previous experiences in NAS, I guess. Uh yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I just didn't trust him, and uh, but you know that's the way it goes. I mean, I know Ken Adamani was around uh, even back to the Fuse days. I think he was even a member of Fuse at some, in some incarnation. He was the manager. He was their manager before Fuse broke up. Right. Something happened, I guess. And then he went back there, and all I know is I got fired, and I assumed that it was because of that. 
I don't believe they had my replacement yet. Um, you know, who knows? So, who knows? How- so you don't really ask why, you know, you just kind of say, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, you know, I assumed it was that. Nothing I could do about it. How long was that after you moved back to Rockford that that happened? It wasn't long. It wasn't long. A few months, I guess. A few months. Time is, you know, it's hard to, for me to gauge time. Yeah. But, uh, hey, yeah, I understood. I've been fired before, so I understood. I think it's... Yeah, I, came, I came back to... I think it says in the book that that was in May of 1973. Um, yeah, you're right, because my daughter was born in February of 74. So they um, they must have pretty pretty quickly ended up with Zeno um, then, and 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 not long after that was when they changed the name to Cheap Trick. Um, right. But were you in contact with them at all at that point, or...? Uh, not really. I would see them, I guess. Um, I came back to Philadelphia. I got, I, I had to work and, uh, I had a kid right after that. So yeah, my life changed really. My life changed a whole, whole lot. Um, and I didn't do anything musically for a long time. Right after that. So there you were. You had to sit there, and you had to sit there, and you had to watch Todd Rundgren's career <laughs> kind of take off, and then and then you had to watch Cheap Trick's career <laughs> take off. <laughs> I was happy. I was happy for Cheap Trick, though. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I was happy for those guys. You know, I love Bun. My, you know, and Tom. You know, I spent a lot of time with Tom. I I lived with him for a while, and his parents when I first went to Rockford. So uh, I got close to him, and he's a good friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Rick is Rick. Yeah, <laughs> a character, right? <laughs> yeah, Rick is Rick. Yeah. Now, yeah, he, had, he had. Go ahead. When Cheap Trick took off, was there any sort of thing where they like? It, well, it, it it always seemed that they wanted to give their fans misinformation and not really talk about the real aspects of their lives. And I'm not talking about their personal lives. I'm even talking about like, for example, they were saying that Bunny was from Venezuela and just all this weird stuff that they would talk about. Uh, did anyone ever say anything like, uh, we're, we're kind of uh, not wanting people to know the reality of how the band developed, so please don't say anything for a while. Or was there any attempt at that or any thought given to that? No, no they didn't say anything to me about that. Um, I'll tell you where it comes from. <clears throat> it's just, it's, it's nothing more than, in my opinion, it's nothing more than a part of the entertainment, a part of the mystique. You know, this whole Bunny Carlos thing was just this this love affair that Rick had with Bun. And you know what I'm saying by love affair? He was, you know, Rick loves, people love each other. People yeah. love certain people. You know, it's just because of what they do to their music or what they, you know, it's just, a, you know how John Lennon loved Ringo Starr, that kind of yeah. thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's just you know, it's all um, it all has to do about love. You know, it's like uh, uh, you know, you have to remember you look at Bun way back then. You know, and Bun was a character. Bun's a character in himself. Right. He is one of a kind. You know, with uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the long tartan sticking out and playing drums, playing drums like he like goes out of sight, but doesn't even look like he's working hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> he just has it. And that's all it is. It's just like a love affair, you know. You have fun with your friends. You know, you give your friends nicknames. Yeah, like I gave a friend of mine. Um, he plays like he he plays around. He's uh, plays the blues. And, you know he's he's he can accompany himself and sing the blues, which I think is cool. You know, and um, we went on a trip someday one day, and there were two mics in the car. And I said, "You're gonna have a nickname by the time we get to this trip." <laughs> and it ended up being turnaround, <laughs> which is appropriate for a blues guy. Yeah, but he also had to turn around a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> you went the wrong way. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and that kind of thing, you know. Yep. That's how I think. That's how I think it happened. But I might be wrong. But there's just another storyline, right? Well, so do you remember? <laughs> do you remember any other good stories from your time in Sick Man of Europe, or different bands that you that you played with, or or any memories of any of the songs that Rick was writing at the time, or anything like that? Uh, I remember Mandicello working on Mandicello. That was hard. Yeah. Hard song to sing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it was fun. Um, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many, you know, so much time that goes over stories. You know, I, I the only regret I have is after Naz broke up, the only regret I have, should have went back to New York and see what I could actually do as far as continuing my career instead of uh, feeling sorry for myself and uh, smoking too much weed in Texas, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like a ZZ Top album. <laughs> but it was, yeah, but it was uh, one or the other. And um, I guess I chose to... I. I Chose the easy way out, in other words, which was probably a regretful thing. But uh, everything happens for a reason, I think. Yeah, well, you you had a good reason for taking the easy way out. Yeah, that was right there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to travel anywhere. Yeah, well, well, as as a Beatle fan, I figured you'd pick up on got a good reason <laughs> taking the easy way out, you know. So uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I regret it now, today. What did you think That's the only first, one I that you heard the first Cheap Trick album? Like you said, you had worked on Mandicello and all that stuff. What did, uh-huh. you, what did you think of the final product that they had amassed and put together? It was, I liked it. Sounded like Sick Man. Yeah. <laughs> it was Robin. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. I liked the music, you know. Um... That had nothing to do with the music. I love the music. I still like jazz music. It's some really good tunes there. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think when you heard Sick Man of Europe for the first time? 
knowing that you were in the band that basically the song was about? Uh, listen, I'm proud of everything I've done. Uh, you know, I whether it was good or it was bad, I did I did my best, and uh, that's all I can really say about that. You know? Yeah. I yeah, the music is good. You know, I don't have any regrets. I've actually tried. I, Todd was here a few New Year's ago. Right. And uh, I was uh, somebody from uh, a radio station that does a lot of his stuff called me up and they were wanted me to go meet him again to try to meet him. And uh, so I did. I went to the show with a guitar player, a friend of mine. Uh, and I went down there. I figured, what the hell? It's all been a long time, you know? Maybe I'll shake his hand look him in the eye and say, how you doing? Right. Uh, but it didn't happen. Mm. It didn't happen. Was there a reason um, that you know of that it didn't happen? Or? To be honest with you, he was drunk, and I thought it would cause, uh, you know, he was, I thought it would end up being a situation. He was drinking on stage and, and uh, during the show, and I figured he didn't come out anyhow. Right. But I thought it would be a bad idea. Yeah. I didn't need to wait all that time and then have it turn bad, you know? Yeah. It's like, why go there? It's, well, it's well, not, yeah, I don't need that. Yeah, it's it's not going to add anything to your life or your story or anything, so... No, I was looking to, you know, bury a hatchet. Exactly. Not, not, take, not pick it up again. Yeah, yeah. So they just, you know, I used... Uh, I used, you know, I, I, I had a liver transplant uh, 14 years ago. So I haven't had anything in that, in 14, well, actually in 20 years. Mm -hmm. I got sick in 96. So I've been sober since then. And I don't need, Patience. I don't need to cause any trouble, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> it's not worth it. Yeah. So anyway, that was what it was with that, so. When is the last time? Good. When is the last time you saw the guys in Cheap Trick? Uh, it was here, I think. Here down, I think down Atlantic City. I saw them. I saw them in New York. I took a friend of uh, a friend of mine to a show in New York uh, a few years ago. Um, so I guess. Well, one was still in the band. Right. And I'm hearing that he's not there anymore. No. And uh, so, I don't know how many years he's been gone. Hmm, maybe five uh, years now? Yeah. I did speak to him. <clears throat> I have spoken to him. But um, I did an interview uh, a few years ago for that same people at, at, around that time that I was going to go see Todd. I uh, did an interview for uh, their radio station and... Uh, Tom Peterson called in, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't heard from him. And, uh, so he called in the radio while, was, <laughs> while I was on the air. So that was cool. But uh, that's about it, my friends. What other do you want to talk about? Hmm. Got any more questions for me? Do you have any questions, Ken? No, I, I think that we kind of got a good uh, bulk of the episode and. You've been very forthcoming and very honest and 
very uh, very joyful conversation. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I did, and uh, I uh, uh, thanks for inviting me. Well, what's next for Stuky? Been fun. Well, I tell you, I had I had real bad cataracts, mm-hmm. really bad, and uh, I just had them removed. So I can actually see again. For about five years there, I was um, slowly but surely more confined to the to the house because I couldn't really see that well. Um, and uh, they're off now. I got them taken off successfully. So right now, I'm just my garden is going. I'm, I grow food in the summer, and uh, so my garden's going. And I like to go fishing and. I'm hoping for that next phone call sometime, you know? Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I was looking for a gig. I still need to fill that void in my life of touring. Well, hopefully if Maybe the phone someday. rings, hope, ho- hopefully if the phone rings and it's us, you'll answer it again. <laughs> no, I will. Well, yeah, you, you know, one you more... You guys have been fun. You guys have been fun. One more thing I thought of, um, I guess it was while you were in Sick Man of Europe when the Nuggets album came out that had... Open my eyes on it. Uh-huh. Oh, was that a pretty big deal for you guys? Um, or Well, it was cool. You know what was really cool? This is a story I could tell you. I just remembered by you bringing that up. Okay. We're in... Uh, it was either... I can't remember what name we were using, either Naz or Fuse at the time. And I hadn't been up there in Rockford for very long. And we were gigging in Madison, Wisconsin this big bar in Madison, Wisconsin. It's where all the, everybody went. It was a beer joint. Mm-hmm. Had a pretty decent stage. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, we were setting up to do, to do the show that night. And Tom walks in, the, walks in and goes, Hey, uh, I hear you. I, I just saw your NAS 3 <laughs> yeah. in the record store. I said, what? And so we went down there and, Nas three. How about that? Yeah, so that was that <laughs> was nineteen seventy one, I think. Yeah, I knew nothing about it. The record company had just decided to take all the music that we didn't put on the second record that they they asked me to sing over Todd's vocals, that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they put this stupid picture on the cover and released it for money. I didn't get a dime of that. Mm-hmm. I never made any money from that band. None. I guess I I made twenty five hundred dollars in royalties. Mm-hmm. In how many years has it been? <laughs> you did. You didn't get anything from the Nuggets record or um the the nah, or nah. the box set. Rhino put out the box set. Uh, how many years ago? Nah, nah. Todd sold all that stuff. So I it's his music. So he sold it. And they didn't give me a dime. You know, they actually, you know, I have the original, I have the original video in the original case. And I've had it all this time, and it works. I've actually showed it a couple times. But after Rhino put out their first, open, uh, the first album on CD, mm-hmm. they actually called me up and asked me to be, if I would be a nice guy and send him that tape. So I said, "For free." Well, I'll get back to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, they wanted me to they... send it up there. So I called, I said, I'll get back to you. So I called them up and I said, well, if you want to send me a certified check for a hundred grand, I'll ship it up to you right away. If, if, and I, I, if they would be a click. nice company, you know, if, if they would be uh -huh. nice guys and give you that money. <laughs> so, no, so, I just told them how much I wanted. So, so when Rhino Records uh, reissues your band's album or puts your band's song in a box set, you don't get any royalties from that? No, not really. Wow. That was a contract. You know, that yeah. was the deal, contract our management signed for us. That is just not right. Yeah, but that was that's kind of what Todd had already set up, right? Yeah, Todd's He's, his music, you know. Yeah, he and wrote Todd, the songs, he, so he could he could sell it, and anything that any profit that Naz made went to the company, not to the artist. Right. If you remember back in 1967, well, you might be too young to know this, but to realize or experience it. But back in 1967, when you had all those R&B bands, all those early rock and roll bands, yeah. they had nothing. I mean, that's the record company owned the band. Mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin, those bands started coming out, and, and you saw it change. Like 1972, 73, 74, the band started owning the record companies. Yeah. And, and the record companies couldn't power down, power them down anymore. And you saw this big shift. The bands were making the money, and the record companies were just being able, just promoting them, and that's how they were making their money. And yeah. still they had these shitty bands, blah, 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 like us. And they're in the, that's, that's how it was. You well, signed everything away just to be able to make a record. Right. Because you were you were living the dream in a sense. You were you were just happy of course. that you're playing and you're making a record. Everything seems to be happening. Look out! For and your manager is telling you they got your back. Mm -hmm. We're looking out for you. Telling your parents, oh, we're looking out for them. We're going to make them a star. Of course they got your back. Where else are they going to stick the knife, right? <laughs> but yeah, but you know uh, a record deal that you signed. Oh, back in 1967 or whatever with Atlantic Records. Yeah. yeah. That, that, should that have anything to do with a record deal that you have with Rhino Records, you know, I don't have 30 years later? Well, I mean, but if they're putting out an album that you were part of the band... They're just using... Yeah, well, they're using my... The band made the money, yeah. but I never made any money. Hmm. So the name... All that money went back to the record company. That's just crazy. I mean, I tried to, I tried, I mean, there's a gap from 19, there's a gap from 19, say, 74, 1972 to 1984, where I can't find out any information about the money that was made for those records. I can't find anything. It's all gone. Wow. And don't you think that they're, they're counting on you not being able to pony up the money to get a lawyer together to do any of that? Anything? Oh, sure, sure, of course. Yeah. So basically, it's almost yeah. cost prohibitive to 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 go after it in this. I believe in karma, my friends. Yeah, well, I do. Too. And one of these days, it'll. I'll, one of these days, it'll come back to me. I might not be. I might not be alive. One other interesting thing um, is. Uh, 
when the when a ba- there was a band that formed in uh, Arizona around the same time as you guys that called themselves Naz, and that was right. the band that became Alice Cooper. <laughs> and right. when they when they found out about you guys, they had to change their name. But yeah, it's it's crazy that yet yeah, both bands sort of formed right at the same time with the same name. Yeah. Yeah. And Alice Cooper, when that worked. Yep. <laughs> for their success. Yeah, absolutely. We didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You think about it. You think yeah. about it. You can find out. It may, you think about it. There's no track. There's no history. You know, of Naz playing around anywhere. I mean, here or there. Here and there. Here and there. Forest Hills with the Bee Gees. Uh, where else did we play? Didn't play in California at all. Maybe in a, in a studio. Yeah. Played, oh, we played uh, Whiskey Go-Go. Played the whiskey. Well, that's, that's one thing Cheap Trick did seem to learn, though, is that they were constantly became road dogs. And that's how you make it. That's how you make it. You see how popular, popular all over the world because of it. Yeah. They worked hard. I don't think they know how to stop. Hey, if it was me, I wouldn't want to stop. Right. right. That's your life. Yeah. That's your life. You wake up, you go to work. <laughs> no two ways about it. Rock to you drop, right? Yep. Isn't that the old saying? Well, you don't want to die on stage. Yep. And you know, and yeah. even if it's not in a band, you either use it or lose it. So you got to keep keep moving. Got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's it. I turned sixty-seven this year. I, I feel, uh, I feel in my mind I'm twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just turned fifty-one yesterday, and I, I have the same thing. My uh, stepkids—they're punch little punks. I love them to death, but they're like, "How old do you feel?" And I'm like, "I feel like I'm your age." <laughs> and my wife <laughs> says, "Well, you act like it." So <laughs> I don't feel. I, I don't feel twenty. I, I, but in my mind, I. I, I that's what I, get, I guess. That's how I get around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, new parts here. New parts there. Right. Well, I want to tell you that as a, a fan of uh, Cheap Trick and the Naz and everything, it's it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And I really want to thank you for spending some time with us and our audience today and for taking us back to those early years. And uh, we, we really appreciate it, and we really appreciate you, and we want you to know that. Thanks, guys. I really do. Uh, I appreciate your thanks. Your, I, I appreciate you being fans. I'm glad you enjoyed the music, and uh, I'm glad you uh, keep on enjoying it. And, you know, you, you mentioned you're 67. I just want you to know that every time, even if I, if I don't care if I'm listening to Sick Man of Europe, uh, that Cheap Jerk recorded, you're, you're in that groove, you know what I mean? At some point, you're part of that story. Yeah, I am. I mean, at 98, 90... 98 or 99, Cheap Trick had a 25th anniversary party Yeah, in yeah. Rockford. I was there, yeah. They, they flew me out there just so I could be there. Wow, that's great. And put, and put me up in a hotel and uh, just so I could come to the party and come to the show and blah, 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 blah. I thought it was great. That's very cool. 
So yeah. you're still on good terms with everybody. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I would, I would say, really, you were the original singer of Cheap Trick because that was the band Cheap Trick. You know, that that, but you and those three guys, that was Cheap Trick. All right, guys, I love you. I love the fans. Thanks for asking me. Well, thank you guys you. be well, huh? Thank you, thank you so much. And thank you for You're being welcome. Part of our soundtrack of our lives. I was fortunate to be able to be there when I was able to be there. I got to sing my ass off. You know, I made my mark. You <laughs> did, you did, you did make your mark. Yeah. Well, so, God bless you, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, we'll Dookie. You too. Bye. Peace, Bye. Dude, huh? Peace. Peace. Bye. That's our show. Trick Chat is an online nonprofit audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to Cheap Trick or any of their members past or present. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap tricking.